That was really sweet. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. That's good, Andy. Some people have a hard time with that. I actually grew up believing that myself. So it's kind of wild being up here. Believe, you know, that's your foundation. But, you know, if you actually go back, I actually did, there was a study done on it. Someone that put a lot of, um, put $75,000 into research on women in ministry and came up with some really interesting facts on it that the King James uh, actually tampered with Scripture when it came to women. You know, so one of them was, uh, I think it's Psalm 68 that says, uh, Great is the host that proclaim his word. Actually, King James left out, Great is the host of women who will proclaim his word. So isn't that something? Uh, so there was a lot they tampered with. I'm not trying to justify me being up here this morning because that's like Paul said. He just stands before the Lord on that. But now that Andy brought it up, anybody's having any trouble. <laughs> he probably are, doesn't mean anything to you, but me saying all that. But anyway, praise the Lord. Um, Byron wanted me to preach this morning and... Um, you know, he just likes for me sometimes just to tell you what the Lord's been doing in my life. So, um, and I'm thankful for that opportunity. And I just want to tell you all this morning that I just really love all of y'all. Just thank the Lord for all of you. And, you know, just pray the Lord will just bless you, bless your life, bless your families. And, you know, just in every way. So, just wanted to say that. So, um, I know, I don't know if any of you have heard, but, you know, a couple of weeks ago, um, I had I was praying in the early morning when I was waking up, and Byron talked to you about the snowflake revelation. Do you want to know about that? Well, I wanted to tell you just a little bit about that to start it off. I was praying, just been struggling with some things, you know, and um, just saying, Lord, you know, I don't know, just crying my heart, just kind of reaching out to him. And I had a vision, and it was this candle holder. Somebody here gave it to me. I can't remember, but it's, if you remember, tell me. It's porcelain. And it's uh, white, and I really didn't even know what it was about. I couldn't remember what the design was on it, but it has cutouts in it. And when you little, put a little tea candle in it, it will just reflect light, that pattern, all over the wall. It's really cool. I love it. It's a very simple little thing. So, um, And when I saw that vision, I heard the Lord say to me, I am pleased with you. You know, and I didn't, you know, I didn't put the two together. So when I got up in my devotional time, I remembered the vision, and I went and found that little porcelain candle. I did. I keep put it away in the summer because I don't really burn candles. And when I looked, I realized what the Lord was saying because the pattern on this porcelain thing was a snowflake. Isn't that cool? So no, we know that no two snowflakes are alike, right? Isn't that something? And the cool thing is about that light reflecting through there. You know, that the Lord really wants to reflect who He is in us. The very, He really is pleased in us. He's delighted in us in every way. He's pleased. We have to really get that through us because we have an adversary that is constantly working against our identity. Just as He did Christ when He was on the earth. It was constant hammering Him. You know, you know, in the most vulnerable place he got hammered. You know, he got hammered first when he began his ministry, when he went into the wilderness about his identity. He got hammered all through that. In, in, the, in his most vulnerable week time was in the garden where the enemy was there hammering on him. And even on the cross, 
the man next to him who questioned that he, you know, just questioned who he was, you know, if you're the son of God, you know, all that if, if, if. So, you know, if, you know, Jesus has walked before us. He's perfect theology. So everything that we see in the life of Christ is for us, you know, is for us. So that was just, I really wanted to share that with you because the message I'm going to give you is kind of tied in with it is really knowing that the Lord is pleased in us. And if we can get to that point and, and really, you know, that he loves what we are. He's designed. We're by design. You know, we're original design. We are designer people, you know. And there is nobody else on this earth like you or me. And, how the, and then, you know, another thing that put this together for me was a few weeks before that. Because I've really been going, you know, everybody struggles with things. I struggle. Byron struggles. I mean, it's. Just because you are a pastor does not mean you're not human and you don't go through your own stuff. And um, so I, just some things that I've struggled with for a long time. You know, I just, um, this was something, I, I just got to where I really was having even a hard time really having the right words to praise the Lord. You know, it's like when I say, well, Lord, I just praise you. Lord, I just worship you. It just felt empty. just felt like, you know, Lord, you're good. You're good. All of that just didn't. It just wasn't hitting it for me, you know, in my devotional time. So finally, I was just trying to find a way to connect with the Lord in that way. I just started feeling this, oh, Lord, I just love you. I just love you, Lord. And it was just the words, you know, for me that... And, and then this thought came to me, and I said this to the Lord. You know what, Lord? I'm the only person on this earth that can love you the way I do. It doesn't mean I have greater love. But because I'm original design, there is nobody else. That's going to be able to love him. So nobody else can. When I give you this heart of love, there's nobody else can say it or mean it or give it to you that way, Lord. It's just, it's just nobody else is going to do it, you know. So it's really why it's important for us to love the Lord, to give Him our love and give Him our affections. You know, Colossians says, "I'm going to get weepy on you. I'm sorry," but you know, Colossians talks about if you've been. Risen with Christ, seek those things that are above. You know, set your affections on things above. And, you know, and that's really what we do when we love the Lord, is we set our affections on Him. You know, the world is after our, everything's after our affections. But, you know, we, we're really made for Him. You know, there's a, um, a young lady in our church. She's now married in Scotland, but she wrote a song with Jonathan Helser that I love that says, these hands, this hair, it's all for you. I was made for intimacy, you know. And it, it, She's really talking about just loving the Lord. Guys get really freaked out when you talk about intimacy, by the way. You just say that word and guys just can't eat. they just like, oh, you know. But I'll try to say it to you this way, loving the Lord. How about that, just loving Him. So... Um, that's really just, um, and, and out of this, I really have just contemplated um, going back in this morning one to talk to you about just loving Jesus today, just a reset and talk about, you know, that we really go through times where that gets drained off of us and siphoned off of us. And it's just really important for us to always go back to a reset of that's why we're here. And um, with Matthew 22, if you could put that up. Um, there it is. This is when the Pharisees, they wanted to know, they wanted to know that thing, that law. 
that would be the thing that would make us good with God, okay? And, you know, Jesus had been through a lot of uh, teaching, but this is, this is their question. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And this is the first and great commandment. Just stay there. I just want to say this. This is what that means. I love this. It means the foremost in time, place, and order or importance. It's the best and it's the chief. What he was saying to us is this is the commandment. That is, of all the commandments that we really seek after in our life, it's, the, it's just to love him. It's really to give him, just to love the Lord, you know, to really have that heart where we're connected to him in that way. And the second one, he said, is like it, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And the thing I want to, um, and, these are the, and this, I love this, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And I love one translation I said, it says it hinges. So if you can imagine everything is hinging on our love for the Lord. For, and I want to say this really why it's the first and greatest commandment. It's the order of it. It's really important to know that, this order. Because what happens to so many of us, we get the order out and we start getting our focus on what we do. Because really loving our neighbors what we do. You know, but really loving the Lord is more about our relationship with Him. And as we know that out of that comes everything, I fully believe this, is when we are set fully on loving the Lord, that is the highest, it's the chiefest, it's in time and order and everything that really our life will work so much better. And it's, but it's just our flesh nature to always go to the working, you know, to get to... You know, in our ministry or, you know, performance and all that stuff, get our focus on what we're doing. And I just, I tell you, I just think we're in a season. I really feel this. I felt like in 2012 there was a major shift. And, um, and, and it just felt different. So I was just, in my journal, the very first day of the year, it was, Lord, I want to learn to love you more. That's really what I want to do this year. I want to learn to just be with you more, love you more. And, um, and, and get my focus there. That's where I want to be centered. Because when we have that thing going with the Lord, we are centered in our life. It's the very center and the core of what we were created to be. Okay? But the thing that helps us is to remember we don't have to perform for that. We just have to just be. See, He already loves us. He's pleased. We can have a relationship with Him. We can just love on Him. He loves that. He loves us. Um, I wanted to bring up Revelation 2 2. This is this scripture the Lord gave to me in China two years ago. Um, when I got to China, I was worn out. There had just been so many difficult things going on in my life. And it was, it was the craziest thing. I got to Beijing, of all places in the world, <laughs> um, and was laying on the bed, and I just felt this sense of just. It's almost like God had to take me to the other side of the world to get my attention. Is this crazy? I mean, to Beijing of all places, okay? <laughs> yeah. Funny, yeah, but the Lord can get you anywhere. So here I am laying in this little, I mean, in a little teeny room called a hostel and, you know, just feeling this thing that the Lord really had something for me in China. I was not just there 
to give. I was there to receive. And this is the scripture that the Lord gave me out of the Amplified. It says this. He was speaking to the Ephesians church. And the Ephesians church had at one time in the New Testament been in revival. Okay? They had been so on fire for the Lord. And just fired up and and just going after God and gangbusters. But here you find in Revelation where Jesus is speaking to the churches, he's saying this, I know your industry and activities, laborous toil, trouble, your patient endurance. And he goes on. I want to skip the rest of how you tolerate because that's not what I want to talk about. Just going over to three. Um, I know you are enduring patiently and are bearing up for my name's sake. And you have not fainted or become exhausted or grown weary. One more. But I have this one charge to make against you, that you have left or abandoned the love that you had at first. And I love this. You have deserted me, your first love. And so that, the Lord really gave that to me. He's just like, you know, we've been through a lot as a body. We were. We had really, you know, we had, you know, some of you don't know, we we'd lost one of our beloved young men in this church um, to a violent act. I'd lost my mother, my daughter, after trying to have a baby for several years, had miscarried, right? I mean, it was the second miscarriage, two days before we were leaving to go to Beijing. I was exhausted, emotionally worn out from all, you know, but I felt like as a church, we had really had done exactly that. We had endured patiently. We had waited on the Lord. We had gotten the grace of God that we needed. And here's, you know, and now two years has even passed since all of that. And still so many of us are enduring patiently and waiting on some things, you know. And I felt like the Lord began to speak to me about, you know, at first when things happen, you might be all right for a while. You really just hang on to the Lord. You go through it. But as the time wears on and keeps wearing on, Something begins to happen in your soul. You'll begin wearing down. And I believe probably the Ephesians church were worn down at that point. And they had abandoned the love that they had, their first love. And I just felt like the Lord began to speak to me that we have to be careful during these times. You know, it reminded me of when the children of Israel, you know, they were in the wilderness. And Moses is up there having this incredible encounter with the Lord. Okay, amazing. Face-to-face encounter. And in the waiting, the test of delay, look what happened. They began to go after idols. Their affections began to go after other things. See, that's all about our affections. It really is. And I just believe, you know, that right now, is the time for us to really examine ourselves. Because so many of us are in the test of delay, the test of waiting. Or, you know, whatever has worn your soul down. You know, I'll tell you this, that a lot of people in ministry fall during this time because they're just worn out. A lot of people, they say, oh, that pastor fell. He said he went into adultery. He went. But you know what? I know as a person being in ministry, I never want to judge that guy because I know what the guy suffered. I know what he's been through. Because, you know, you know, for people in ministry, we don't only go through our own stuff. We go through everybody's. Because when you're suffering, we're suffering big time. 
Because you're our sheep and we love you and it's rough on us. We love you. We desire for you to be fulfilled and really with the Lord and go on with the Lord and, you know, and prosper in everything that you do. But that's not always the case. You know, and, and the body suffers with one another. You know, it's, you know, maybe a little more intense for us, but I just want to say, if you're in the test of delay or you're worn out, this is a time for us to be really careful. Really, really careful. Because I have, I have a feeling our affections tend to wander off the center of really the first commandment, you know, of really just being with the Lord and loving Him and just setting our heart aside for Him, really what we're made, the first and greatest commandment. So, and the toiling, you see that, the laboring thing, the number two becoming one. Where can be, that can be another area where we really can get, we can get off the path very, very easy. You know, by being busy, you know, getting busy and doing. And I'm not saying to not do, but it doesn't work to do and not have a love for Jesus. It's like, a, it's like Bill Johnson said about a worship leader. He, it really scares him to have a worship leader that doesn't worship. Scary thing. You know, so um, I'm just feeling this morning just a time for us to examine, you know, and um, you know, the other church, the Laodicean church, uh, that's the next scripture, 315. You know, don't put it up. I'll, you can. I know your works, that you're neither cold or hot. I wish you were cold or hot. And then go to the next scripture I gave you. Skip over all the rest. Oh, no, no, no. Let me give you this. I didn't give you that part. It says this. I know your record of works and what you're doing, but you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. And then on down in verse 20, I love this. I've never connected this really to about us being cold or hot. But here he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and dine with him and he with me. And so I think what really what the Lord was trying to say there is I really want you to be hot, you know. I want what are we've got between each other. Because everybody uses this for evangelism, but it's really not an evangelistic verse. This was written to the Laodicean church, and a lot of people believe this is the last day church, the Laodicean church. They believe that, you know, we can glean from the others, but they believe this is the church, us, the last one, that he's really speaking to. And so... You know, the passion for the Lord beginning to be yet, you know, we're lukewarm. And so here he is standing on the door knocking and saying, Please, I want I want in with you. I want to I want to come into fellowship with you. I want a relationship with you. That's really why I did all that I did. It wasn't so you would go work and labor and toil. It was so that I could be with you and you could be with me. The veil got rent so you could come in into the holy place and just see my face and be together and love and and it's back and forth and we're together. It's really why he did what he did. Oh, Jesus, help us. In Mark 3.13, I remember I'm talking about order, the order of our lives, being centered. And it says, He went up on a mountain and called, he called, to, called to him those he himself wanted, and they came. Next. Is there another one? 14? You got it? I got it. 
It's all right. Let me read it. There he is. And then he appointed twelve that they might be with him. Look at that. And that he might send them out to preach. Okay. And have power to heal sickness and cast out demons. And I want you to look at that order. They were first called to be with him. They were up on a mountain, by the way. They were called up to the mountain. You know, Jesus often went to the mountain. And that, that's your place. He often went. Do you know in Scripture there were times where the crowd was pressing in the most and he got up in the middle of it and he went to the mountain to be with his Father? Yes. So we have, you know, and then, you know, that's the thing. We're first called to be with the Lord. Then everything else flows out of that. It's, it just flows out of it. You know, and um, so I just, you know, that's just always a scripture that always, every time I read it, it just hits me, really, really hits me. And um, I want to, you know, I know, I tell you there's a, you know, the test of waiting and trial um, I'm, in the Song of Solomon, you know, that is also a prophetic book for the last day church. You know, and I don't know if you've ever listened to Mike Bickle, but that's something he's been preaching on out at IHOP in Kansas, where they've been probably praying 24 hours a day for probably 10 or 12 years. But his whole vision for that thing was birthed out of the Song of Solomon, uh, where the Lord spoke to him one day. It was so sovereign, it was quite amazing that the Song of Solomon would be the song. It's called the Song of All Songs. And it is the song of the last day church, which would mean this, that the church, the last day church, and think about this, guys. We're the bride of Christ. Guys, I know that's really tough for you to hear, but we are the bride of Christ. That doesn't mean some weird thing, okay? It means this, that we're in fellowship and communion with our Lord. We're connected to Him. We're dining. We're supping with Him. Just like He's knocking at that door. That's what it means. And it can mean more. I mean, girls, you know, we, you know how we get. We can, we can get into that a lot deeper. You know, but that's okay. You know, it's okay. But, the, you know, in that book, it's really the, her journey to being married. Okay? To a shepherd boy. Okay, and she's got Solomon, which represents the world, that wants to marry her. She's, she's a, a Shulamite. He wants to marry. He wants to gather her into one of many. Okay, he wants to marry her, but she will be one of many. Okay, does that sound like familiar to you? You know, the enemy trying to draw us into other affections, where it's just one. It's, it's just there's no meaning to that. But she's being drawn to the shepherd boy who loves her, adores her. And, but she's on a journey. Sometimes it's rough. You know, she, she goes through trials on that journey. And this is the scripture I wanted to give you. It's, I, won't, I don't want to put it up there, but it's, she's been through some tough times in this journey. And uh, she says, Awake, O north wind, and, and come, O south wind, blow over my garden. And I, those north winds, I believe, were really adverse winds. Okay? And she's saying to him, you know, I'm going to keep following you. Come blow across my garden. We're going to get through this. I'm going to keep going with you no matter what. Okay? That's really what she's saying to him. And let all those fragrances of my life, in the midst of these trials, just come out in the, and blow. You know, let them come out and be released. 
And um, that's interesting in our journey. One of the next verses is uh, Song of Solomon 5.2. I gave you that. It says, I sleep, but my heart is awake. It's the voice of my beloved. And he's knocking. He says, open to me. Okay, you got to remember, this is Jesus, the bridegroom, last day church. Open to me, my sister. So you have my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of night. Really what he's saying to her is you're my single, you're my devoted one. Okay, that devotion up to him. Okay, that relation, that devotion to him. But he's saying, I've got the dark, I've got nighttime on me. And many believe that was when he went to the cross. I'm coming to you. I've been to the cross. You know, this is, this is my dark time, you know. And, um, and then she, you know, she, she goes on and says this. But I've taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I've washed my feet. How can I defile them? So here's what I see on that. As you know, she's been through a rough time. She's been through a rough time, but you see what happens happened to her. She didn't even want to respond to him. This is the one whom her soul loves because she's down, down at this point. You know, it's, it's a journey that all of us, we get into the, How many of you believe we get into these places? You get tired, you're not hot, you're not cold, things have worn you down and you're just not where you need to be. In your, in your passion for the Lord. You're not, I mean, it's, it's obviously, it's, the Bible has been given to us for examples. And so I just, you know, again, I'm just feeling like this is a time for us to examine where we are in that. And, um, you know, she, she eventually gets up, by the way. She gets up. And what's interesting is the doorknob where he had been, he's no longer there. It's dripping. Do you know what? With the burial spice, spices of Christ. There's oil. It says myrrh and frankincense. Isn't that interesting? That she eventually, you know, embraces that. And they go on and they have a wonderful life together. And so, um, um, so I'm just feeling like, you know, this year, as I could encourage you, you know, that we can get past. And see if our soul at all has begun to not be where it is, what it needs to be in our love life with the Lord, our communion, our fellowship. You know, that we would just examine that. And, um, and you know, I was at, um, I, last, I can't remember, my, my last aunt died, um, I think it was two weeks ago, I can't remember. Last weekend I was there and, and you know, I got to, I mean, I didn't want to do this. I was at my aunt's funeral, didn't want to sing, but somehow I got roped into it, singing a song I couldn't have sing. But I did. I, I, I couldn't. I tried to get out, and I couldn't. But it was so powerful because the pastor that preached this sermon was a 79-year-old Baptist preacher. And I felt like when he got up and preached, the Holy Spirit began to hover in the room because there was a lot of people and difficulties and stuff. And I'm like, this was... And a mother that had, um, she had mothered ten children, and it was she had, none of the kids had ever really had a father, so they were losing the only thing they had. And this message that the man got up and preached was basically this: you know, really, Jesus is the only thing we've got. Really, if you really want to think about it, 
He's all we've got. He's the answer. He's really the answer. And I felt like I was listening to a man who at 80 years old had preached his whole life and all the ego and all the being driven to build the church and his ministry and blah, blah, all of that was gone. And what he was down to was the simplicity and the devotion to Christ. And that's really what he was releasing in the room. And I got to come right behind that message and sing. And I was going, oh, Lord, I know now why you wanted me to do this. Because I got to sing. If any of you have heard that song by Jen Johnson, that's uh, Bethel Music, Come to Me. It is beautiful. He's saying, I'm all you need. Come to me. I'm your everything. And see, the good thing, the benefit about a resetting and focusing on the Lord, that's just the truth. You know, it's not some duty. Because in Him is everything we need. It's not really in anything else. It's in Him. It's in Christ. All that we need. And, um, you know, one of the scriptures, um, this is the other thing too. The last, one of the last scriptures in the Song of Solomon is, uh, that I'm going to quote is 8, 6. It says, Set me as a seal upon your heart. As a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death, and jealousy is cruel as its grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement fire, and many waters cannot quench love. And so here's what I'm saying to you is this. When our relationship is centered on with the Lord, just Him, there's nothing that can quench that. But I tell you, all the performance and duty and working and all of that stuff. It, it, you, won't, you won't make it long on that stuff. It'll, it'll feel, it doesn't hold you. And believe me, I'm in the ministry. I know it does not hold me. I love ministry. I'm very thankful that God has chosen me and set me apart to Him, to serve Him. But I will tell you, it, you know, it's not, that doesn't satisfy. It's, it's fulfilling in ways. But there's this thing in me, it will not satisfy. Only Jesus, only Jesus satisfies my soul. Just like Pastor Benoit said, he's our only answer. I loved it when he, he pointed down at that, that coffin and he said, this is an appointment for every one of us. And she has met her appointment and you and I are going to meet our appointment one day. Isn't that something? And Jesus is our only answer. Wow, that got me. Wow. And boy, when I got to come behind and sing that song, you were talking about the anointing flowing in the room. It was like people just couldn't even hardly move. Because they were getting, you know, they were getting the center. They were getting the very core of, of really what we're designed and made for. Isn't that just amazing? You know, and I just want to say this too um, about religion. That we're all really good. I'm going to say this. We're all really good at religion. I don't care what background. I'm, this weekend, um, a few of us women took a little missionary journey to visit about five other uh, retreat centers that we may possibly use in the future. And it was interesting because I got to experience different denominations, you know, their atmosphere, because I was looking for atmosphere, okay, more than anything. 
But it's just interesting, you know, that we all have such different backgrounds. So many things end up in religion. That's where they end up, in a form, just a form and a formula. This is well, way how we've always done it. It's the way we're always going to do it, and form. And you go in those places, and you just go in, and you just want to run away. I mean, there was one place, bless them. I do say this honestly, mercy, Lord. But when I walked in the door, my first reaction was to run out. And this is an age-old religious place that at one time had the fire and first love in their hearts burning. But religion, we can all go there really quick. I don't, charismatic movements go to religion in a lot of ways. You know, just name it. We go there. It's our nature. It's flesh to want a pattern, to do it in a formula, to perform, to do it this way. But it's, see, a relationship with the Lord doesn't work like that. First love doesn't work like that. I know your industrious toil, your enduring. It, you know, it's that good. But what mattered to me the most, what really mattered to me, was you, your heart, me, me and you together. And, um, you know, and I, I do say, I feel this so in my bones right now that the Lord's jealous for us. I'll tell you, this is another thing. We get our eyes on revival real strong. It'll do the same thing. It'll siphon off your relationship with the Lord. It's meant to take you there. Revival is meant to take you there. Okay? And here's what happens, I believe, in the cycle of revival. Because, again, it was interesting visiting these these places. Because many of them had moved to the Lord that started a missionary movement that started the denomination. Isn't that something? Okay? But look what happens. That's what's meant to happen. Meant to the you get oh you fall in love with Jesus. You're feeling His presence. There's fire going on. You're just in love. It, it produces you to want. See what it happens. Produces you to want to go. With you've got mission burning in you now. But what begins to happen is the mission begins to overtake the first love, and it ends back in religion. Do you see that? There's history to prove that. And um, there's one more thing that the Lord said to me that really got me. He said this, um, that really, and I, I just said this to the Lord. I said, Lord, you know, really, I want all that I do. I, I, as the Lord was dealing with me on all this, I really want to get back to this, that all that I do, I do for love. All that I do, I'm doing it because I love you. Because of the love. It's, it's coming out of love. It's come because I'm just loving you, Lord. And my motivation is love. Amen on that. And I one more thing I want to give you that's really good. Okay. This is in the Song of Solomon. What happens in one point. She's describing how much she loves him. How beautiful he is. And. He's, he's the fairest of 10,000. He's the bright and morning star. He's the lily of the valley. I mean, she's just, she's just in love. And this is the, la- the bride. She's in love. This is the last day church, okay? It's got to be where we go because we're a bride. A bride cannot be a religious institution. It has to be people that are in love with their God. They have passion for their God. 
And this is so cool when I saw this in, in here, when she's naming how beautiful it is. Because one morning I woke up and started hearing this old song that we used to say, everybody wants to know. Everybody wants to know who Jesus is. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000. Everybody that wants to know. Did you know that is right out of Song of Solomon? Because here's where what happens is, is her companions, her friends, are saying this. Well, tell us where he is. We want to see him too. And I'm, I'm saying this to you. I believe that that is the most effective evangelism tool there is on the earth. Is when we're in love. First love. We just are so in love with who he is. And we just exude that. We just exude it. There's another scripture um, in that we've always thought it was talking about the Lord, but it was really talking about the church. It says, Who is she who looks forth as the morning, fair as the moon? Listen to this. Clear as the sun. Think about that in your head. What makes us fair? What makes us clear and centered in our life? Okay? Awesome as an army with banners. What banners are we going to be carrying? The banner of love. Okay? The banner of love. You know, he brought me to his banqueting table. And his banner over me is love. Do you know what that means? His banqueting house. Do you know what that... It's, it's, you know what it says? His banqueting house. And in the Amplified it says, his house of wine. Do you know what that is? Intoxicating wine. We become... It, the last day church will be intoxicated. Um, we're going to be an army that is carrying banners where we are intoxicated on love. We're not intoxicated on religion and forms. and all. We are intoxicated because we see how wonderful and how beautiful He is. And we will be an army that will absolutely transform this earth because they will begin to say, well, show us where He is so that we can know. Did you know in the book of Acts it was not door-to-door ministry. It was not campaigns that evangelized. Those, you know how fast they were growing? Thousands at a daily. Do you know what was happening? It's called Orcus. It was all this, that word Orcus, you and your households were being saved. They were being saved. That means all their spheres of influence were being wrapped up in it. They were being taken in. Now why do you think that was? You think it's because they were uh, in religion and say, well, now we're doing this. No, they were in love. They were, had fire. They had that vehement fire burning on them because of the day of Pentecost. So, so and you know, in love's a universal language. You know, it is. It's a universal language. We can, we can go to the nations with that. So, I just, so, let's stand up. Andy, can you do He is Jealous for me? Or you know that? There's four chords. I can tell you the chords. She put words up. He Oh, how He loves us. But I just thought if we could end on that. And, but this is what I want, to, I want you to do. It's back to the thought of being worn down by things. You know, where you really have endured a lot. And you've been patient. You know... And, and the Lord does really commend us for that. 
But that's not what he's looking for in us. And if we could just go out of here today and say, and just, you know what I began to do? Because I felt like I was, my fire was burning low. I just began to say, Lord, I just want to love you more. That's just what I want to do. I just want to love you more. And I just ask you to help me love you more, Lord. I want my heart to be passionate. Lord, I don't want to live a life with you where I'm just doing it. I'm just going, I'm just, you know, I, I want to be on fire for you, Lord. I want to love you, God. And that's just all I ask you to go with today is just go out and examine your heart in that way. That we would not be like the children of Israel on the test of delay. That we begin our affections to begin to go other places. And our focus, you know, those dove's eyes. You know a dove's they only have one mate. And he says that. He says, you have dove's eyes. That's what he's saying to her. You've got dove's eyes. Oh, my dove. He says it several times in the Song of Solomon. You know, in the book of Galatians, where the enemy, where Paul says, who has bewitched you? They started getting, they stopped having single-hearted devotion. So, amen. Let's just sing this and get with the Lord and just ask the Lord, okay? And then after that, you can just, you can leave really whenever you want to. Lord bless you. Lord, I ask you today, Father, Lord, I pray, John 17, you, the prayer that Jesus prayed, Father, that they would love me the way you love me. And I ask you that today, Lord, that we would love you, that we would love you, Jesus, the way the Father loves you. Just pour that out. Lord, help us to see what you want us to see. Jesus.